All right, let's jump into this one a little bit different. All right. First and last name. Alec Jitkowski. Where do you call home? Bolton Valley. Physically Bolton Valley, like up by the mountain? Yep. Ski right to my door. Not going to be all snow. A wintry mix is forecast for the listening area. This is Wintry Mix number 58. I'm Alex Kaufman. I've got good news. I finally have the home studio sound working the way that I want it. So we have that to look forward to, which is nice. Episode 58 is a relatively quick sit down with Alec Jadkowski, army vet, heli pilot, resident of the highest ski resort base area in Vermont, which you now know is at Bolton. Coming up later in November will be the first Wintry Mix Car Talk episode. A pod listener and diehard skier from Burlington named Paul, who is also a mechanic, will field your Wintry car-related questions. You just have to send in a few. Call 802-560-5003 to do that. It's not hard. Serious. Just do it. I'm also hoping to nail down a Mad River Valley real estate expert in the same time frame, but if he doesn't show, I'll find a different one. Many to pick from. Be sure to check out recent episodes 55, 56, and 57 if you have yet to. Ghost hunting, Stow Mom, world record holder from Waterbury, and legends of car camping. Or venture deep into the archives on your next flight. Listeners can always reach me via email at alex at wintrymixcast.com. And thanks to those hitting up Apple Podcasts to drop those five-star ratings and reviews. They help other people find the pod. Also available on Stitcher, Spotify, Player FM, Google Play Music, a bunch of other spots. Alec and I will be back with you in a moment. Stick around. These first few episodes of the new format are brought to you by me. Just me. No sponsors. I wanted to get the new vibe figured out first. But very soon, there will be a really rad local restaurant group, brewery, and or retailer highlighted right here. We'll see who steps up. Let's get back to the pod. So Alec Jedkowski in the studio from Bolton Valley. You've been up in that area since the Deloriers took over. Some changes. Uh, it's been good. I think it's been. I think it's been good for the mountain. There's definitely a lot of kind of new energy going on when they took over. Um, I mean, just they seem to be a lot more. Uh, I don't know. There's a lot more emphasis on like keeping stuff open during the summertime, and you know, having like the uh, food and beverage stuff during the summer up there as a full time resident is pretty great. I think the thing place just looks a little bit nicer in the summer than it used to, and. You know, there's a lot of, I think a lot more stoke during ski season 
now since they took over. So we're going to get into some of your work that you've been up to with the backcountry program with the Deloriers up there at Bolton Valley. Uh, but first, are you, I guess they call it native Vermonter or from afar? I am definitely not a native Vermonter. I grew up in Maine, uh, left Maine when I was 18, uh, joined the army, lived in uh, upstate New York, down in Georgia and other places uh, for about eight years. And then actually about 10 years and then moved to Vermont five years ago. Where were you in Maine? I grew up just outside of Bangor in Hamden. And going into the Army was something you were always going to do or decided to do for a certain reason? It was just to learn to fly. It was a very transactional relationship, but that's flying is all I ever wanted to do. And they were willing to teach me. So there I went. So what did you fly? What do you fly? I flew, uh, when I was in the Army, I flew Kiowas, which are little two-seat scout helicopters. And then ever since then, I've been flying all kinds of stuff, airplanes, helicopters, gliders, uh, most recently uh, flying helicopters for EVM HealthNet. Did you end up very far afield in the Army around the world or, or mostly stateside? No, I did uh, did a couple of deployments, went to Iraq, went to Afghanistan, um, you know, did some other training around the United States. So these two-seaters, what do they look like for someone who's not really that up to speed on helicopters. So imagine your typical small news helicopter, uh, and then paint that green, uh, attach like an extra dozen antennas to it, put a giant ball that contains camera systems on top of the rotor system, and then strap some guns on the side. And that's what it looks like. So they were predominantly for intelligence gathering, I'm guessing by the size. Yeah, uh, we did what you would call intelligence, surveillance, and reconnaissance, and also uh, security. So, you know, fly over convoys and look for bad guys and help people out. So tours in Iraq, tour in Afghanistan, you said both? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And now a local to the Bolton Valley Access Road. Yeah. Kind of different? Uh, Yeah, no, very different. How many years between when you um, came out of the Army— and now? Uh, it's been seven years now. I got out in uh, 2012. So the path of your, I guess, passions, you're still flying, correct? Yes. So you're flying and you spend a lot of time in the backcountry. Have you always been a skier or is that something you've been kind of getting deeper into lately? Yeah, I've always uh, skied and also been a snowboarder, but never, never to the extent that I am now. Um, you know, I grew up skiing in Maine. We'd go maybe a half dozen times a year, you know, not, not that often. Did it a little bit when I was in the army, did it a little bit after I got out of the army and I was living down in Georgia. We'd take, take trips to various places, but, uh, yeah, moving up to Vermont really changed my life as far as, uh, you know, the direction of my passions and, and, uh, how the winter plays into my life. Have you brought any of your veteran colleagues along with you into the backcountry? Is that something that you you share with that community? Are you still in touch with a lot of the folks you were with in the Army or not so much? Yeah, no, I'm still in touch with some of them. Um, there's really nobody around here that, uh, you know, that I serve with, so nobody to ski with. I do have some friends from uh, Georgia who ski a bit, but I have yet to have the opportunity to take them into the backcountry. So I want to I want to explore the the kind of veteran angle mm-hmm. a little bit because that's the unique angle the dude who goes in the backcountry a lot 
um, in Vermont is kind of like, we're a dime a dozen. Yeah. So 2012, you're out of the army and you decide to do what at that moment? Uh, I walked right into a job flying medical helicopters in Georgia. Um, it was, you know, just something that, that came up. It was right there. I didn't even have to move. Uh, it was right where I lived. And, you know, my mindset at the time was, you know, just from being in the army, I was very like job focused and, and it seemed like the right thing to do. You know, it was the easy transition to make and started flying medical helicopters in Georgia. I, I liked the job and quickly realized that I really didn't like where I lived very much. And that was the first time in my life where I'd ever actually had the opportunity to pick, uh, you know, where I wanted to make my home. And after flying helicopters down there for about two years, I uh, realized that, you know, I, I don't know, I felt like I had a call in to move back north. I really missed the wintertime and, and decided to leave that job and move to Vermont. So if you come out of the Army and you know how to fly helicopters, do you have a lot of job choices? Is it pretty open? Not, it depends on where you want to live. Right. You know, if you want to go up to Alaska, there are, you know, plenty of helicopter jobs in Alaska. If you want to go to the Pacific Northwest, there's, you know, a fair amount of flying there. If you want to live in New England and fly helicopters, there are not that many opportunities. Interesting. So I'm a little surprised if skiing is something you're into that you didn't maybe jump at Alaska or the Pacific Northwest. Well, I had kind of an interesting... uh, journey to get here. So another reason why I left that job in Georgia is I thought maybe I wanted to fly airplanes as well. So I actually came to Vermont to go to Vermont Tech and uh, go through their aviation program there. So when I moved up here, that was sort of the the driving factor of, of Vermont, besides, you know, that I knew that there would be mountains and things that I like to do. Um, you know, I'd get up here and have the opportunity to go back to school. But you grew up in Maine. Mm-hmm. Did you know people in Vermont? Any other things pulling you to Vermont other than a pen on a map kind of thing and, and maybe Vermont Tech? Uh, it was mostly mostly Vermont Tech. Yeah. Um, they just, you know, they had a good program, worked well with the GI Bill. And, you know, I thought maybe, you know, there wasn't really any helicopter jobs up here at the time, but I thought maybe if I can learn to fly airplanes and, and make that work. So you're flying what now, where, locally? Something, right? Yeah, I'm flying the uh, UVM's medical transport helicopter out of the Burlington Airport. So you're picking up people that need urgent care, I assume. I mean, like what I'm envisioning when I hear that is you're the helicopter that's landing near the ski area or what have you, or at a car accident um, in an urgent situation. Is that is that a correct assumption? Yeah, we're just you know we're moving uh, we're moving patients around the region that you know if they need a different level of care than where they're at and they need the speed of you know, the helicopter moving them from place to place, then we're that asset to get them there. And I assume from your background in the army, I'm imagining like everybody's freaking out because it's an emergency, but you must just be like in the zone doing your flying and all the other factors are kind of not relevant because you have a job to do. I, I can assure you that uh, medical flying these days is far less exciting than you think it is. It's very, you know, we're very risk conscious. Everything's, you know, analyzed. We're, we're very safe and, you know, there's no... The, the way that I explain it to people is that if, if my job is getting exciting, then something's probably going wrong. You know, we have a very standardized process and it's, it's uh, you know, reliable and safe. And, and uh, you know, I do it because I obviously because I love to fly and I love to, you know, help people. And the fact that I get to, 
you know, do the job that I love and do it in a way that helps other people is, is really great. But I, I certainly don't do it for the excitement. How does the Vermont weather impact what you do? Uh, quite a bit. Uh, flying in New England, particularly in the wintertime, can really be a challenge. Um, you know, we just have a lot of days where it's kind of that you can't, can't get there from here situation with the weather, either due to, you know, low clouds or icing conditions from freezing rain or other things. And you're just grounded in that environment? Yeah, a lot of the time, especially during the winter, there's not, you know, there's not that much you can do, unfortunately. So do you exist like on call or are you someplace with the chopper at all times? How does just that kind of nine to five work with being a pilot? Well, I guess you could say I'm on call. We, we stay on the airport. We're based on the airport. You know, we work 12 hour shifts and we work seven days in a row and then I have seven days off. So that's another big driver for me is I have plenty of time to go skiing. So every other week you get every pow day and then the next week you are just not getting any of them. Yep. Got it. So helicopter pilot, eight years in the army, raised in Maine, uh, but now you live at Bolton Valley of all places and teaching other people about how to be safe, not flying helicopters, but traveling in the backcountry. Tell me a little bit about that. So uh, when Bolton Valley started their backcountry program last year, um, I got asked to to help out with that and be one of the guides. Uh, I had volunteered a lot with the Catamount Trail Association before that, so that was sort of my my lead in to actually working with Bolton Valley in the backcountry. And yeah, it's a it's a program that you know we offer sort of your traditional guiding, and that you know you have your gear and you are comfortable in the backcountry, but you want somebody to you know show you where to go to get the goods. We do that, but we also do a lot of, uh, I guess what you could call instructional guiding where we're taking people who maybe are, you know, competent skiers, but have no backcountry experience and don't understand, you know, how to use the gear or how to navigate and bring them into the backcountry and showing them how to, you know, move efficiently and to transition efficiently. And, and, you know, of course going out and having some really great skiing at the same time. And how did you get into backcountry skiing? It sounds like it wasn't necessarily a part of your DNA growing up, obviously wasn't a part of what you were doing in Iraq and Afghanistan. Um, then you're in Georgia, and now all of a sudden you live at the top of the Bolton Valley Access Road, and you're on a podcast, want to talk about backcountry skiing a little bit. How did that transition happen? What, when, when did the light bulb go off? I think, uh, you know, when I lived in Georgia, I would travel a couple times a year to ski, and I've never really been the kind of person that enjoys crowds. And uh, I think my first real exposure to it was out in Tahoe and skiing uh, side country out in Tahoe off of Squaw and, and Alpine Meadows. And I have a very distinct memory of hiking out a ridgeline at Squaw and dropping into a bowl. And there was just nobody around, completely untracked, you know, the best the best thing I had skied in probably five years. And it just blew my mind that a, that nobody was out there and that B I could go out and take advantage of that. Um, and that sort of changed the trajectory of my skiing to where I got more backcountry focus of snowboarding at the time. So, you know, I got home, did a little research, uh, bought myself a split board and then, uh, this was all shortly before I moved up here to Vermont. Came here, moved to Bolton Valley, 
started getting around on the split board and starting to explore, started uh, teleskiing at the same time. Um, and just the more I explored up there, the more I completely fell in love with it. When folks get out of the service, there's all of a sudden something missing. And I feel like from what you've shared with me that skiing somehow kind of filled that for you. Yeah, it, it absolutely did. Um, I think that was, that was sort of the biggest eye-opening thing that happened when I moved here and started skiing in the backcountry is, you know, when I was in the army, the army was, it was my job. All my friends were in the army. Like it was just my whole life got out, you know, still had some of those friends and, and still had a job, but you know, it wasn't the same. It wasn't the focus. Uh, and yeah, I was, I was a little bit kind of restless, felt a little, you know, kind of lacked a sense of direction. Um, and when I started exploring the Bolton backcountry and, and getting out there, um, it really completely changed the focus of my life to where, you know, instead of living in a place where I could have a good job and then figuring it out from there, it became way more important to me to live in a place where I could go ski as many days as possible during the winter, and then I'll figure out the job from there. Do you think it's the activity or the community? Uh, I think for me, it's more the activity. I mean, the community is a part, you know, like I have plenty of friends that I ski with on a regular basis and, you know, this is Vermont. So everybody, you know, you feel like a lot of people, you know, meet their circle of friends through the activities that they do. Um, but you know, for me, it's, it's all about, you know, getting up early on a bluebird day and getting out in, into the woods where, you know, it's, it's quiet, it's sunny and, you know, there's nobody else around. You can't hear a thing. And then just clicking into your skis and dropping into a big line on track powder. It's probably about the closest thing to a religious experience that I'll ever have. How early would you get up every day in the service? Uh, about five, five thirty. Okay. So you're, you're good at it already. You're looking for something to do early in the day, yeah. no matter what. Oh yeah. And like, what else are you going to do in Vermont when it's dark out? Yeah. At four thirty, five o'clock in the morning. Good time to climb to the top of your line. Right. And then the sun comes up when you get there. It, it kind of, I don't know, that makes some sense. There's some overlap there. Yeah. You know, it's like a little bit of a intangible thing. I think, you know, the people that, the people that do it totally get it. I think a lot of people that don't and haven't had that experience, um, you know, it sounds, it sounds a little foreign to them. I, I don't think, you know, seven or eight years ago, I could have imagined that I would be excited to get up at five o'clock in the morning to go climb something, but it's definitely the case today. What kind of pinches have you gotten yourself into? Not in Iraq or Afghanistan, but in the Bolton Valley backcountry. I'm sure you've done that a couple of times. Come on. What's a, what's a couple of the oops? Um, everybody's got one or two if they do it a lot. I, honestly, I don't, I don't think I really have a good or something you saw somebody else do that, you know, come on, think twice. You got plenty of time. I cut out all the dead air. You think about it. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I've definitely seen, I've seen people at least I've seen plenty of people buy appearances who are vastly unprepared for what they're getting themselves into, you know, running into people that are halfway through the bolt in the traps trail uh, and it's 30 minutes before sunset and nobody has a backpack on, um, you know, usually doesn't bode well. Have you gone out on any of the, you know, search and rescues that happen on a regular basis? Is that anything you've ever been involved in? No, I've never done any of those. You have any desire to? Yeah, no, I, I'm, I, you know, I 
work in that sort of emergency field already. So yeah, we'll see, we'll see what happens with this year. We're, we're in the process of kind of refining the rescue protocols and stuff for what's going to happen if, you know, somebody gets lost back there, somebody gets hurt. How are we going to get care to them? How are we going to get them out? So stuff we've been thinking about. How do you connect with the people whom you are guiding? We get linked up. They, they book all the guiding through the Bolton Valley website. So people sign up and then they get assigned kind of thing? Exactly. Yeah. You know, it's kind of a, it's a thing of, you know, what, what kind of skiers or snowboarders are they? You know, what are they looking to do? And, you know, which guides are available and who are they going to match well with? And there's a new program you guys are cooking up for this season that is specific to your background a little bit, right? Yeah. So that's something that I've been working on. Um, it's going to be a veteran-specific uh, intro to backcountry touring course. And I was really inspired by that, uh, inspired to do that by the Sierra Club Military Outdoors program. I was lucky enough to go on one of their trips uh, last spring. We did a ski mountaineering trip out in Montana. And they put together outdoor trips for veterans. Uh, they're low to no cost for the participants, and they're really geared towards, you know, bringing veterans into the outdoors, giving them, you know, some some awesome experiences, maybe some inspirational experiences, and also just kind of fostering a sense of community among, you know, the veteran population. Because, you know, a lot of times, we, you know, we get out and we scatter, and I'm a good example of this. You know, I don't really have a whole lot of veteran friends in Vermont because that's not really the circle that I run in. But that doesn't mean that um, there aren't veterans up here who would like to be doing what I'm doing. You know, the things that I really have come to love, and I certainly, you know, if they want to come up and, and do that kind of stuff, I would love to connect with people like that. So that's that's the big driver for that that program. How did that program come to be? Was that something that you just proposed or came out of left field? No, it's that's something that I've I've been putting together. Yeah. First experience that I had that, that was like that was that ski mountaineering trip out in Montana. Yeah. And it kind of opened my eyes to the fact that I, you know, I miss, I missed hanging out with other veterans, you know, like we've all had particularly the, you know, my generation, the kind of younger Iraq and Afghanistan generation, you know, we, we've all shared a lot of experiences that, uh, you know, I can't, can't really articulate very well. And a lot of people don't understand unless they've been there. So, um, I didn't realize how much I missed being in that community until I had that experience out in Montana and really just kind of, it, it sent me looking for a little more. So looking to kind of recreate that here. Is there any, you know, non backcountry veterans group that you're a part of at all that, that in this area whatsoever? It's just no, kind of, not, not at all. You know, for me, I, I'm a, you know, a skier, backcountry user. Um, that's sort of the focus of my life now, uh, not so much the veteran side of thing. And, you know, I, I would love to have more of that community here, but sort of in the context of, of the things that, you know, that I want to be doing. I'm not, not really one for going to a meeting somewhere just to talk with people. I want to, I want to go outside and, and go do something. So if someone's interested in it, is there information available online already to check it out or is that kind of under development? Uh, if you search for uh, veterans only intro to backcountry touring, you'll find it on Facebook. And there's also uh, just a straight application form. It's bit.ly slash Bolton Valley Vets. All right, cool. So how much do you, I don't know, kind of relive your time 
your deployments. Do you share that stuff with people or do you not? Um, I don't, it's not something that I talk about very often. Um, I don't, it's also not something I, I think about very often. I am kind of the sort of person that lives in the moment, you know, and I think that's part of what drives me to, you know, backcountry skiing and mountain biking and all that stuff. Um, I don't think all that much about the past, but you know, I think about it from time to time. When you were overseas on either deployment, you know, these are people who listen to this podcast. I don't have a lot of veterans. I don't have a lot of people who have spent a lot of time overseas in the Army, Navy, Air Force, you name it. But I think all Americans and all human beings have a, you know, deep-seated curiosity, respect for those who have served and what it's like. And, you know, what don't people understand? And what do they misunderstand about whether it's being in the service, making that decision at age 18 to want to learn to fly and, and get in the army to do that, to train and learn and be in that community or to spend time in Iraq and Afghanistan. How much of a disconnect is there between what people think of when they think of the movies and things like that or veterans they know that are in their family or, or, or you name it, where there's just a disconnect between people you meet on the street when you tell them that you're a veteran and then what they immediately think compared to the reality? Um think about how to answer that. Yeah. Take your time. I mean, I, I think that's the, I'd like to just give that window a little bit to, yeah, to yeah. my audience because they're just, they're into this because they're either living in Vermont or they like to ski or they snowboard or they whatever. And they don't, these two groups don't cross a lot of paths. Yeah. Right. They really don't. Other than like, Hey, it's military appreciation day at Bolton Valley and you can save $10 <laughs> on a lift ticket. Like that's like the amount of overlap there is yeah. at least kind of in a public sense. Yeah. I mean, I think the thing that I would want people to understand the most about, about my community is we, you know, we're all veterans. That's something that we share, but we're all, you know, that's one part of a much bigger picture of what everybody has going on individually, you know, like, yeah, I'm a veteran, but that's, you know, to be honest, like that's not the most important thing in my life. That's, I wouldn't even say that that's the most important formative experience in my life. And I think, you know, that's true for a lot of people. And, uh, you know, I think to some extent veterans get pigeonholed a little bit and into, I don't know, people think that, that's, that's what their life is all about, you know, is their service. And, and, you know, it's just part of it. Like everybody has a lot of different experiences in their lives and, and, you know, deal with it uh, their own way. That being said, um, you know, some of the experiences that we've had are pretty dramatic, pretty exciting compared to the lives that some other people have led. And, you know, I just ask people to be maybe, sensitive about that and like approaching those topics and you know not not everybody wants to talk about that stuff uh openly i guess you could say right while i'm sitting here asking you about it <laughs> how close to any big mountains did you get in afghanistan afghanistan's got big mountains did you ever get near them oh yeah i flew uh i flew almost the whole year in the hindi kush mountains which the hindi kush if you follow that range over to the east becomes the karakoram and then that becomes the Himalaya. Right. They're like the foothills for the Himalaya. If your foothills were, you know, 14 to 18,000 feet high. Right. 
Um, yeah, flying there on a clear winter day was just unbelievable. I mean, there were mountains so high that we couldn't fly over them. There are a lot of them. Um, the, still the biggest mountains I've ever been around as far as, you know, prominence, the valleys there would be two to 3000 feet and the peaks are 14, 15,000 feet. Um, and so 13,000 feet of vert on these things. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, that's, you know, that's definitely one of my dreams to, uh, go back there someday and, and ski some of that stuff. I don't know when that will be, but I'm going to do it one day. Was there anybody who was skiing them? locals or uh i don't know but at the time i know there is a group now that runs uh they run some uh ski touring trips in uh i think it's bamyan province uh, which is not where i was at but also a place that has some big mountains um forget the name of the company that's doing it but uh yeah, you know, and there are some locals there who ski. I think there were some locals there who were skiing before that group showed up, and then they've sort of fostered this little little kind of ski touring industry there. I think there's even a ski shop in their town, mostly full of, you know, ski touring gear that people have left behind on trips there. But, <laughs> um, yeah, you know, it exists a little bit, but, you know, like a lot of places outside of, you know, the United States and – or I'll say North America and Europe um, – you know, ski touring is not really, uh, not really a big thing going on. Anybody else in your family ski? Have you gotten them out a little bit? Pretty much everybody skis, although not that, not that often. My sister was here a couple of years ago. We got her out cruising around in the backcountry. Uh, my dad's coming over for Thanksgiving. I'm going to try to get him out. He was, uh, before I was born, he was a kind of backcountry OG in Utah, uh, doing multi-day trips out in the Wasatch on, you know, three pin tele bindings with leather boots. But, uh, unfortunately our backcountry careers have never crossed paths cause he stopped doing it before I was born, but we'll see if I can drag him out again. So the customers at Bolton, uh, so last year for all the different guiding that you're doing, are they mostly Vermonters? Or are they people from far away? Uh, the people that I had were Vermonters. Um, pretty much everybody lived in Vermont, but you know, I think there have been a fair amount of groups coming in from out of state or up in uh, Canada, I think. And these are almost exclusively all day trips. Yeah. Last year it was a hundred percent day trips. Um, this will be the, this, uh, veterans course, I think will be the first overnight that we're doing. So we're going to, uh, it's going to be a two day course and we're spending the night up in the Bryant cabin, uh, courtesy of the green mountain club. They're, they're sponsoring that hot rental. Um, and hopefully in the future, it'll be something we can start doing more. I cross paths with a lot of folks who are considering, oh, we could just live up at Bolton Valley. It's like kind of cheap. Being at the top of the access road. Does it drive you nuts sometimes? Do you like being up there? No, it's the best. <laughs> I mean, I lived in Montpelier for a winter and moved right back. Really? Oh, man. it's I love living at Bolton. So you drive up and down the access road X number of times per week. Yep. Usually about once a day, probably on average. Well, it has to be twice unless you're not sleeping, unless you're not coming back. Well, yeah, all right. Up, up, and down. One round trip. Yeah. Yeah. But you can't, like, if you want a pizza at 7 o'clock, you're just done. You're making it yourself. I mean, or you go to Waterbury and have dinner. Right, or you have to just, everything's a half an hour. No, everything's 15 minutes. 15 minutes? Waterbury's 15 minutes away. Really? Yeah. All right. It's not bad. Or, you know, if it's wintertime, you go over to the Tav or go over to Fireside Flatbread. and You're selling me. You're selling me. I've, I've, I've known people who've gone up there for a winter and have gone insane. And because it's kind of like being on an island, but, you know, the opposite 
being on top of a mountain road, but without a lot of commerce at the top, you're just kind of up there. Some people love that. But if you want to be able to hang out with your friends in Burlington on a whim, not a place to live. I mean, for me, when I lived in Montpelier, I was just driving somewhere to ski every day anyways. Right. Um, you have to experience being able to every day skiing right up to your door, clicking your skis off, walking inside, taking your boots off and sit down by the fire to really understand the advantages of living there. I mean, I, I ski right from my door and I ski right to my door and I do it almost every day. Do you ever ride the lifts there or is it all backcountry? No, I ride the lifts there sometimes, but you know, all my... On a, on a good powder day, there are some pretty fun places you can get to off the lifts. Um, but all my really memorable days have, have all been in the Bolton backcountry. Where do you grocery shop? Usually uh, Richmond Market. Okay, so if your siblings were sitting here, what would they tell me to ask you about? <laughs> Man, I don't know. Um, what are you afraid of? Uh, I'm afraid of not being able to ski anymore, honestly. How are your knees? How's your back? How's your operating system? Knees are good. Back's okay. Uh, I got some pretty bum shoulders these days. So that's a little, you know, that's always a concern going into the backcountry. Uh, usually try to make sure there's somebody there who can put it back in if it needs to be. Are you split boarding or teleskiing more right now? Uh, I am mostly teleskiing and, and alpine touring. Uh, I don't have a split board anymore kind of made the transition back to skiing. Like I think a lot of, uh, a lot of snowboarders have done in the last five years. So, so plan for the, uh, veterans guiding events multiple throughout the winter or kind of one. We just have the one this winter. Um, when I decided to plan this thing, uh, the Bryant cabin was almost completely booked and I really wanted to make it an overnight course, uh, because you know, there's, I think people get a lot of you know, being able to come in at the end of a good day of skiing and just kind of sit down in a quiet place by a stove and, you know, talk to each other and hang out. Um, that's one of the big things I got out of that trip in Montana. It's like living up in a yurt for a couple of days with all these people and really getting to know each other. Um, so there were limited opportunities for when we could get the Bryant cabin. Actually, Bolton Valley was nice enough to uh, give up one of their reservations so that we could take it on that Saturday. So there's one Saturday. What time? What's the date? Do you have a date? Yeah, it's uh, February 23rd and February 24th. That's a Saturday and Sunday. First come, first serve. How many people can can it hold? We can do six. So there's going to be myself, uh, Alex Showerman will be our split board guide uh, if there's snowboarders coming along. And then we're going to have six, uh, six participants. Cool. Yeah. And all the gear is being provided by Bolton Valley. So, you know, all the... All you need is, you know, your ski clothes, a backpack. So if you're a veteran and you want to do this, it's sounds close to free. What does it cost? It is completely free. Completely free. Yep. You know, Green Mountain Club is donating the hut rental. Um, Bolton Valley is providing all the demo gear. So that'll be uh, AT skis, skins, and boots if you're a skier or a split board and skins and collapsible poles if you're a snowboarder. Um, Alex and I are doing the guiding and the only thing we got to figure out is food. Should be pretty easy. It should be easy. <laughs> yeah. That was kind of my, you know, a big thing. I wanted to make it free and accessible. The, the whole driver behind this thing is I want to get people out who are veterans like me and give them the same experience that I had when I moved up there. Cause not everybody 
has, you know, their buddy who can set them up with some gear and take them out and show them around. It's a big hurdle to entry. Yeah. Um, you know, that's kind of the driver behind the course. I just want to, you know, get, get these people out and show them, you know, I'm sure obviously backcountry skiing, backcountry touring is, is not for everyone, but I know it was definitely for me and hopefully we can get some people out that it's, it's for them too. Cool. Everybody should stay tuned. More information coming out from Bolton Valley about the, what's the official title of it? It's the veterans only intro to backcountry touring course. Veterans only intro to backcountry touring course. It's about to get cold next week, but I'm guessing you've already been out a bunch this year. How many days on hill so far? Uh, I've gotten three days in Vermont and then uh, another nine down south of the equator. Nothing to Mount Washington yet, though. No, I haven't. <laughs> a few cats have gone over there and gotten a lot in October. I know. I've seen seen a lot of pictures. One of them is my neighbor, so I talked with him about it the other night. I, I almost went over to Wildcat in that first snow, and they got a big dump, but uh, couldn't find anybody to go with. Hopefully, one of these veterans will become a good good uh, touring partner for me for some adventures like that. All right. Hopefully the event goes well and fills up quick. Yeah. Thanks, Alec. All right. Thank you. And it's rant time. Pumpkins. Why do local farmers grow so many damn pumpkins? Everywhere that sells them seems to have a shit ton left over on October 31st useless and even before halloween same question why are we taking valuable land and growing decorations on it aren't the foodies pissed off about this please grow 30 percent less pumpkins next year grow 30 percent more of anything else preferably food i realize this might not be economically intelligent advice but my god there's just too many pumpkins being grown and wasted end of rant He wasn't kidding. If you type in veterans only intro to backcountry touring course into Facebook, you will see the event right there. Good luck, sir. Hit me up via email at alex at with any feedback or just to shoot the shit. In the meantime, I always appreciate those five star ratings and reviews on Apple podcasts. If you leave one, I will owe you a beer. And if I see you in the wild, you will get that beer. Follow on social, or better yet, share an episode, and tell a buddy about the pod if they've been missing out. Side note, a fellow podcaster stopped by my pad last week. Odds are I'll be on his pod pretty soon. Check out Out of Bounds Podcast for that episode. Goodbye. Let's try Bolton Valley Veterans Backcountry and see what pops up. Enter. Um, Nordic and Backcountry Bolton Valley. Backcountry cabins at Bolton Valley. History. Um, tough one. Let's add the word Facebook to it and see if that gets us the event.
No. You know what's going to happen? This podcast is going to be the first thing that will ever be found if someone Googles Bolton Valley backcountry veterans only stuff. So just give me like a week or two as being the only way people can find it. And then you get your page up. (laughs) All right, cool. So 